Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I, I wanted us to read Psalm 97. I just, you know, was reading it recently and it just touched me quickly. It's not part of the sermon, but it's part of who we are and whose we are. Psalm 97 says, The Lord, the Lord reigns. Let the earth do what? Let the multitude of ours and coastlands be what? Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are what? The foundation of his throne. Let that happen for a nation in the name of Jesus. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. Somebody say amen to that as well. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. You know what mountains are? Difficulties, problems, obstacles. No matter how entrenched they are, at the presence of the Lord of heaven, what happened? They melt as wax. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Now look at that last part. It says, worship him who? All you gods, I want you to know that the God you worship, gods worship him. I saw this, I said, I have to pause and consider. Worship him, all you gods. <laughs> it says, Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice. He's talking about the Father's church. Because of your judgments, O Lord, for you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. May the Lord bless his word in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We serve a mighty, mighty God. The greatness of our God, the grandeur of our God, the sovereignty of our God, the majesty of our God, we could never overemphasize. We could never overemphasize that. I believe that is part of why our Lord Jesus said to us in John 17, 3. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. When you know him, eternal life becomes yours. When you don't know him, it is permanent struggle. We will continue to know him in Jesus' name. The apostle Paul says that I may do what? Know him. This is after he had written epistles, after he had worked miracles. He says that I may know him. You know, the word of God is so true and so complete. It says to us concerning the love of God. It says we should endeavor to know it. Then it tells us it's beyond what? Finding out is beyond knowing, which means you could never say, like some people say, I have finished reading the Bible. You cannot finish reading the Bible. Praise the Lord. It's impossible to finish reading the Bible. You may have read from page one or from Genesis 1 to Revelation, you know, to any word, but you would never have finished because every day it says, Night unto night doesn't reveal it for knowledge, and day unto day uttered for speech. Every day God is speaking. Praise the Lord, somebody. Always something proceeding from his word. So as children of God, to live a victorious life, to live a conquering life, to live a life of peace and joy on this side of eternity, we must be established in the true knowledge of our God. And one of the things you must establish is the supremacy of God over all, over circumstances, over situations. Praise the Lord. There is nothing that is on earth, on this earth that God created, that can say no to him. Mountains are the highest obstacle that the psalmist could articulate. And he says they melt as what? Wax before him. And we saw even the river, the Red Sea. It's a big difficult. When they say your problem is mighty, they say it's like a sea, a sea of problems. It is what you solve one, the other one continues. But he says before him, what happened? The sea, with the blast of his nostrils, what happened? He said the sea is parted. 
That is the God we serve. Somebody, can we just put our hands together and just magnify this God and just exalt this God? Yes, yes. He's deserving of praise. He's deserving of honor. He's deserving of worship. He is God and it is right and proper to praise him. Thank God next Sunday by 5 p.m. we're going to be gathering to just do what? Praise the name of the Lord. I hope you're expectant. I'm looking forward to that hour. Praise the Lord. So the Christian must have this as, as, as something he continually charges himself up to. To remember, to know, to take note that his God is almighty. God is the one who changes times and seasons. Yet he himself what, is unchanging. Okay, so this morning I'm bringing this as a background. Because I want to look at something that... Um, I trust the Holy Spirit to communicate to us, amen, and communicate through me to you and to me as well in the name of Jesus. If you come with me to Psalm 105, I'm actually going to just two verses, but for uh, uh, perspective, I'm going to read from verse 7. Psalm 105 verse 7 says, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance, when there were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another and from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. 16 says, Moreover, note from here now, he called for a famine in the land. You know, this land he called for the famine was the land of Canaan, where these promised people were. He destroyed all the provision of bread. 17 says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. 19, let's read 19 and 20 together. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. Can we have this in NLT, please? I like the way NLT put this verse. 19 and 20 NLT. Let's read together. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. But he didn't stop there. He says, the ruler of the nation opened his prison door. When God commands, are you getting it? When God commands, Pharaoh comes down from his throne and gets to the prison. Somebody say amen. I want us to look at this because as we look at the Bible, the Bible has case studies. And what the Bible calls it, the things that are written for our what? Examples. That's what we'll call case studies in contemporary studies and learning. And the life of Joseph, the story of Joseph, is such a beautiful case study because he's a man that patterns for us the journey of every Christian that is born into this world, everyone who is born again in this time. And we look at his story to learn a few things for encouragement, for strength, and for the certainty that what God has purposed, in spite of what is going on, will surely what? Come to fulfillment. Imagine meeting Joseph in between his story. He will be a sorry case. But like we've said here, no Christian, nobody carrying the Holy Ghost inside of him is a sorry case. It is impossible. Every Christian story is waiting for one thing, until. Let me hear you say something, until. You see, the word until is a word that captures time and then says beyond this time you cannot go. In fact, it says, the word until says up to a time or event. You know that's what it means. But I like something else I find that It says, but not afterward. It means that situation can persist. That situation can last. It can be so long, but or what? Until a moment, it will never be like it again. Somebody say, my until is coming. 
in the name of Jesus. He said he was put in stock. His feet were hurt with fetters until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The time is coming. Praise the Lord. The time is what? Coming for the fulfillment and the perfection of what God has desired to do. And that is what we want to look at as we go into further details in this particular verse. It says his word came to pass. Means Joseph, we read his story, started this journey at 17. We don't know when he began to dream these dreams. Possibly at 13 years or 14 years. He started telling his brothers, this is the dream I have. God is showing me that all of you are going to bow down to me. Even my father will bow down to me. I'm going to be so great. All of you will have to depend on me. And as he said it, I mean, you don't blame the brothers. He was a kid brother. He was a little guy in the house. And they envied him. And to make matters worse, the Bible says his father loved him, you know, extremely. That he made for him what? A coat of many colors. So this envy was actually, you know, being provoked. It was moving on to where it became bitterness and, you know, almost terrorism. They just wanted him off. And this led to Joseph being sold as a slave at 17 years. They wanted to actually kill him completely. But because we know that when God is not finished with a man yet, death cannot touch the man. Does somebody believe that? It does not matter what the situation is. If God does not say, I'm ready for him to come back, no Christian can die. That is what it is. You run this race, you finish, you come home. If you don't finish, you remain here. Praise the Lord. So the issue is, have you finished your race? Anyway, so they sold Joseph as a slave. He got into Potiphar's house. That's where who bought him over. And he became a house boy in Potiphar's house. The first level of his slavery we can only imagine. This was a slave that could not speak the language of the people. So that means the place that will put him to serve will be a place with minimum requirement. So probably he was attending to dogs. Have you kept dogs before? The person who cleans dogs poop in the house, that was the meanest of jobs. I hope you know that. So it's possible that they just saw Joseph, you know, with sign language. And he'll say yes. That means they just abandoned him there. But something about Joseph, the Bible tells us, Joseph did that work they gave him with such excellence that he was promoted and said, you are too much for where you are. Child of God that is listening to me, the number one thing you want to learn if you want to be promoted is to become too excellent for where you are. Murmuring and complaining does not qualify you for promotion. Being better than where you are, and it is not by saying it, it, is, it will be tangible. It will be evident. In fact, the Bible tells us that the master of Joseph knew that this Joseph, God was what? God was with him. In fact, Genesis 39 verse 2 says, The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man in the house of his master. That's what it means. Child of God, you were trusting God for great things for you, for you to become CEO. You know, some years ago, some people came up that started discouraging people from honest labor, from tarrying in work, from service. They tell everybody, you have to be boss, you have to be boss, you have to be boss. If everybody is boss, who is going to report to somebody else? You know, those things are just engineered to make you feel good and make you suffer later in life. Some people quit. Somebody wrote a book, I fired my boss, you know. But before you fire your boss, make sure that you have served well enough. You understand? Make sure that you have also put in the value, the time that is necessary. So that when you come out, you can begin to reap what you sowed. If you have not sown service, what do you expect to reap as a boss? Praise the Lord. So anyway, Joseph got promoted and continued to be promoted on this job until he had an interesting experience. The master's wife said, Joseph, you are excellent in everything. I think you will be excellent in the other room. How many of us know the other room? Uh-huh. So he said to Joseph, let's try that. But Joseph refused. And this woman persisted. Joseph refused. We know the story. Finally, he had to, you know, she had to try and, you know, do it violently, but Joseph escaped because inside of Joseph was the Spirit of God. And the Bible says concerning fornication, concerning sexual sins, what does the Bible say? The Bible didn't say negotiate it. 
The Bible didn't say bind it. The Bible didn't say what? Uh, cast it down. The Bible didn't say grace will cover you. The Bible says what? Flee from fornication. For every sin a man or a woman commits is outside of the body. But to commit sexual sin, it's your body inside. It means, or you both say, hook, line, and sinker. That's what it is. So Joseph showed us this is how we respond to it. What do you do? You flee even if you have to flee naked. He fled naked. That led him to prison. And when he was put in prison, the situation continued. He was there, you know, serving a jail term. He didn't, you know, orchestrate. And we saw his relationship with the other uh, uh, prisoners. And one morning, Joseph woke up. We know the story. And was looking around his, you know, fellow prisoners and observed that particular two were so downcast. And he went to them and inquired of them, what is going on? Why are you so downcast? You know, and they said they had had some dreams that they were uncomfortable with. Joseph had the dreams, made interpretation, encouraged the one that needed to be encouraged and, you know, went on his business. But when he did that, he told them, please, I beg you, when God fulfills this, your own dream, he said, do what? Remember me and put a word in me on my behalf before Pharaoh. You and I know that they didn't remember him, or rather the one that survived didn't remember him. Now, let me tell you something, you know, whenever I stand there, I try not to say some things, but I can't help because I'm in the office of a pastor, and the pastor is shepherd. You know, the pastor is like a medical doctor. How many would like a doctor to see something wrong in their body and be nice and not tell them? Now, let me tell you, that thing of destiny helper, get it out of your head. Because Joseph's destiny helpers were supposed to be those people. But what happened? They forgot him. When God remembers you, a dog will come to where you are and be scratching. If no man will do it, are you hearing me? They sent ravens to feed his prophet. God is who you need on your side. Destiny helper has made men or Christians cower before unbelievers. I'm not telling you what somebody told me. As a young, very fresh Christian... I was going to start a gallery. I told us this story many times, an art gallery. And I had quite some money to do it, but I wanted to do it big. I wanted to do it so that it would be Milonia's gallery. So I had this destiny helper, okay, who promised me a large sum of money. I didn't even ask him. He asked, what are your plans? I said, these are my plans. And he promised me a large sum of money, which he was able to afford. I was a banker when I was in the bank, so I knew how much he had. And I used to go to this prayer place, you know, this special prayer place like some of you go to, that tell you something that is beyond what the Bible has told you. They tell you the color of your cotton. They tell you what you ate for breakfast. They're seeing for you. Are you blind? Anyway, so, so this woman kept seeing for me. And I was taking the money. I was giving money. I was giving perfumes. All, I mean, when somebody is seeing for you, you go, they perform now. No, be so. Ah, that shall not appear before you see her empty-handed. You can appear before past the empty hand there because you know they see. Anyway, so, so I was going to this seer. We're praying, you know. We're, I don't even know who led me there. <laughs> anyway, that's not, that's not necessary. And thank God for my wife. My wife was resisting this seer. And she saw something. She said, your wife is very harsh. What is it? Very stubborn. Uh-huh. So that, you see, whenever they find somebody that is going to deliver you, they knock the person out, red card, like any good coach. Say that player, I don't mind if you get red card, injure him. Let him not be in this game. Anyway, so th- you know what? Every time I went, she would tell me that somebody is about to give me a large sum of money. Ah, destiny helper. And then when I leave, the Spirit of God will say, don't answer, don't call, don't see that person again. Which one will I follow? I will call the person again. And you say, oh, okay, my very close friend. I mean, if there's a word he loved where that, you know, he wanted, he really wanted. And you say, okay, I'm going to travel, please. I'm going to come back, you know, to, on Wednesday's afternoon. I'm going to give it to you. Then I'll go again. And then the Spirit of God will say, turn your back on that. Come out from among them and be you separate. And I will receive you. I'll be a father to you. He said, do not touch the unclean thing. I heard it. I knew that was what he was saying. But then I will go there again. She'll say the money is closer now. That means Tuesday morning. The, she, the man is supposed to come back Wednesday by prophecy. That's how, you know, until at the time I just received grace and, you know, turned my back on that. I don't know what would have been my story. But what am I trying to say? 
we see in Joseph's case, and that is what we are trying to see today, that God's words will surely do what? Come to pass. He didn't say the government watches over my word to perform. He says who? I watch over my word to do what? Perform it. The words that have gone from my mouth shall not what? Return to me void, but it shall what? Prosper. It shall accomplish that to which I have sent it. That's what it is. Okay? But if you look at what we read in NLT, there was something they added there. They says until, they says the Lord did what? Tested Joseph's character. That is where we have problems. We have dreams, but we don't want to build character. We don't want to build character to carry these dreams. Let me tell somebody something here. You're in church today. Your temper, if you don't take that temper and put it under control, there are some things God will never put in your hands. If you don't take envy and put it under control, there are some things that God will never release to you. If you don't come to the place where, like our pastor, Pastor Banneray told us, that you forgive people in advance, there are some things God will never release to you. You know what? You will abort God's agenda. Some of us, our promotion is due, but we are still, we want to deal with somebody. And God doesn't want to deal with the person. Can two work together unless they be agreed? As long as you're wanting to deal with or wanting to show somebody or wanting to do something, God doesn't want to do that. God would never have brought the fulfillment of Joseph's word if Joseph was saying every day, Kai, eh? if I get this, my brothers, eh? if heaven had it, they will keep shifting. Who knows? Maybe he may never have even gone to prison. I believe he went to prison to have access to Pharaoh's palace. But may, we don't know the time that that bitterness and anger died off. He's a human being. Praise the Lord. He's a human being. So it must have taken him time. How could they do this? I mean, he must have gone from denial, I'm dreaming. Joseph is dreaming. And then he wakes up, he's in, you know, Potiphar's. He must have gone through a lot. But until the time... That heaven looked at his character. And his character was to match with the promise. Heaven said, Amen. Child of God, let me tell you something. What we're looking at this is very simple. There's so much deception and distraction in the church today. When people go to church today, you know what the business of the church is? The business of the church is to build you up in character. It is called character here. It is to build up the nature of Christ in you. The promises of God to you are not made to you as a man. No. They are made to Christ in you. That's why the Bible says Christ in you is what? The hope of glory. Everything God is doing is the inheritance. We are joint heirs with who? That means when we go to claim what we want to claim, we say I've come there the last Sunday or two Sundays ago, we looked at in Jesus' name. When we go and we say in Jesus' name, it's not a sound. It's saying if you look inside me, my motivation, my inspiration, my character, my mood is what? Just like Jesus. You see, if people got this, we will begin to understand why we come to church. I'm not, the, the, the first stage is salvation. But after salvation is a work. The Bible says to the nation of Egypt, God brought them out that he might do what? He might bring them in. And then he said, he brought them, the, our Lord Jesus said concerning the disciples, he called them that what might happen, that they might be with him so that osmosis can happen. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So he says, the Lord tested Joseph's character. He was working on Joseph. Why? Listen now, very important. The Spirit of the Lord said to me, he said, we have challenges in our time now. Okay, you know that most of you here are apostles. Do you know that? You are mighty men. You are, you are leaders. You see, because I went to uh, the Father's Church in Enugu, and it was as if I was listening to a sermon here. It's the Father's Church. We are not called, we, we pray for increase, for numbers. But it's more than that. You see, one man that is a champion can give victory to a whole nation. Koloi had said, I stand, my army will not fight. Only I will do what? Will fight. You bring also one man. What Nigeria needs is one man. Somebody say, I will be that one man. If multitude were what we needed, we should have been saved. Do you know when we started attending 100 million man gathering and the country just, they were all like that. We are counting the number of people that came, but nobody's standing. Nobody's speaking. You weigh the thing like this. Everything chaff. You do, do, blow. The wind carries everything. There's nobody with weight. Nobody with understanding. 
So he said, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, he said, the problem we have is that we have a Christianity that is driven by desire for prosperity. There's nothing wrong with that. We're going to come to that. Desire for progress, desire for protection, desire for healing, for solving problems. He says, this is the Christianity that we push across people. And he said to me, he said, the challenge with that is this. He said, he took me to Gehazi. Take, turn, turn your Bibles to 2 Kings, please, 5. So I explained this very well. You understand him. In 2 Kings 5 from verse 20, I'll read quickly, please. Can you just be there so we'll move forward? 2 Kings 5, 20, the Bible says, But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman this Syria, and why, while not receiving from his hand what he brought. But as the Lord leaves, I'll run after him and take something from him. It makes sense. Doesn't it make sense? They gave the man a service. They healed him, and he's a wealthy man. He won't feel what he gave. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, it is all well. And he said, all is well. My master has sent me, saying, indeed, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ypres. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Okay? So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants, and they carried them on ahead of him. 24. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hands, stored them away in the house. The wife would be singing and shouting. Then he let the men go and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master. Went in and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, your servant didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Let's read this together. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Look at the critical question. He said, is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? The Bible says there is a time for what? Everything. That is what it is. Receiving a gift from somebody you minister to is not a problem. But Elijah was saying, there's something we are trying to do now. Praise the Lord. Nigeria is at a season where it's not time for all of that. Where has all our prosperity brought us to? Where have all our meetings? We have gone from meeting in auditoriums in our churches to marching on the street. Do you know it's a shame that we are marching on the street? The Bible says, the Lord has said to my Lord, sit at thy right hand word. Until I make thy enemies what? A footstool. It says he shall command the rod of his strength out of what? Zion. We should come to church and decree a thing and it will be happening outside. When we leave prayer meeting to go and be marching, it means our power has become like Naira. There's nothing wrong with marching for the level of the people that are marching. But there is a place of power. He sends the rod of his strength out of Zion. It's a place of power that we should gather indoors and speak and then we will watch it will happen outside. But what has happened, we have mixed up the timing. Listen to every sermon. I give you an assignment. When you go now, you know, scan more sermons you would have heard in the last one week. And hear what he'll be telling you. Either he's telling you healing, there's nothing wrong with that. Either he's telling you prosperity, either he's telling you your enemies, either he's telling you that Boko Haram will not see, either he's telling you one thing or the other. Now, all those things are at a level. But let me tell you the level that God has called you and I to. He has called you and I to a level of purpose. Let me hear you say purpose. Genesis 45, 5 to 8, let's read it. Genesis 45, 5 to 8. Five, he says, he, Joseph was speaking here and I said, but now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For he says what? God sent me before you to do what? To preserve life. He went on verse six quick. He says, for these two years, the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there'll be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to what? Preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8. So now, it was not you who sent me here, what? But God. And what has God made? And he has made me a father to Pharaoh. And Lord of all, what? And the ruler throughout all. Now, what are the things Joseph forsook? If Joseph had gone with Potiphar's wife, he would have become Lord of Potiphar's house. 
Because remember, he was already in charge of everything except the woman. So if he took charge of the woman, he would have been Lord. He would have had more money. He would have had power. He would have had all of that. But when he said, no, I am not, he's a young man, sir. He has blood running in his veins. He has, uh, uh, what's, what's it called? Complete it, I beg. He had all of that. But this man was not there to solve a problem, personal problem. He was saying, I was sent. He says, God did what? Sent me. Everybody has said, God sent me. Even in that marriage, God sent you. As a child to your parents, God sent you. As a father and uncle, God sent you to that environment. Let's talk about your places of work. God sent you. Your primary purpose in that place of work is not to make ends meet. It's to make Jesus known. God sent you. All these things we listed here that are the problem. We see them coming back to Joseph in the place of fulfillment of purpose. When purpose is pursued, needs are met. But when needs are pursued, purpose is aborted. And nobody prospers at the end. But the challenge is that purpose does not come to fulfillment immediately. Some of us have been hearing, God wants to use you, God wants to use you. And you're wondering, when will God come now? And sometimes it's as though things are getting worse. But the Bible says, until his word came to pass. His word will surely come to pass in your life. In the name of Jesus. So, Christianity. I don't know about the Christianity in America. But I think they're beginning to feel it a bit now with this Trump, you know, and Biden thing. They're beginning to see that, you see, you can be powerless. Your power cannot depend on how much money. It cannot depend on having breakfast with the king. It cannot depend on, you know, the flights or the jets you have. Your power has to be in a place. And I'm going to show you where that power is. You want to see where that power is. Come with me to, to Exodus 33. I'm going to show you something. And then we'll go back to Joseph. In Exodus 33, Exodus 33, the entire chapter was a critical stage in the life of Moses. It was a time after the children of Israel had provoked the Lord. And up to this time, everything was okay. I mean, the Lord was, you know, just happy bringing the people out. But from the being of Exodus 33, the Lord started expressing his dissatisfaction. And he said to Moses, what is going to happen now is, I'm still going to take you to the promised land because the promises of God are what? Yeah. So you, I'm still going to fulfill that for you, but I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to send with you an angel because I could just get angry and destroy all of you. But Moses said, no. Moses had known a bit of the Lord and known that like we sang, you know, like we sang here, you're all I need, thank you. And you're all I want, you're everything. Moses had known that if we get the promised land and miss that Shekinah glory that I had experienced, there'll be something very dangerous that'll be happening. So that's why he said to him, Lord, I'm not going to go unless what? You come with us. The promise was there. That's another level to see what I'm talking about here. You, you cannot, you must not speak the gospel to anybody. And the person leaves thinking his life is going to get better without Jesus being given to him. Without his surrendering, without his giving his life, his attitude. You see, I see this a lot and I laugh. People encounter, you know, uh, leaders, politicians, governors, presidents and all of that. And you hear men of God, I just pray you will succeed. You will prosper in this place. Your enemies will not be able to. And I say, ah, who can do that job better? It's God now. So tell the man to be loyal to God. Tell him to fear God. Tell him to serve God. If you have opportunity, tell them that God has a purpose. Because as long as they align with that purpose, even Cyrus didn't know God. But because he was carrying out God's purpose, God lifted him. So whenever I see them, ah, you're praying, shouting. The man has no proximity with God. He's not close to God. Psalm 91 was very popular for some time. He that dwells where? In the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where you should tell him how to get into the secret place. Because all of that is to make him feel good. And you see, you, you, you and I must mature to, to decipher prayer that is prayed for, for oratory. Prayer that is for, for waxing song. You know, there are prayers for waxing song. They sound nice and all of that. The power of prayer is that if you ask anything according what? To my will. What is God's will for the wicked? That they repent. 
So why am I praying for the wicked for protection? Why am I praying for the wicked that you are Why am I praying that those that are not loyal to him, God will expose? He's the one first person that they should expose to himself. Anyway, so Moses was at this stage and he said, Lord, it's your presence. He went on and on with this negotiation until verse 21. Let's read 21. Okay, let's read 20, please, and come, from, come down from there. So God said to Moses, okay, you want me. Moses began to say, Lord, I want to, you said you love me. You said I found favor. Show me your glory. That was where he was. And God said to him, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and leave. But look at 21. And the Lord said, let's read this together. It says, here is a place, what? By me. Let me say, a place by me. It says, and you shall stand where? On the rock. Now, on that rock there is no capital letter, but he's saying something to us, for those of us that are New Testament. God said to Moses, there is a place by me. That's where you need to stay until, your, until it comes to pass. Joseph was there. It doesn't matter. The journey of the Christian is to be in that place where by him. And all the enemy is throwing at somebody now is to move you out of that place by me. Because if you remain in that place by me, for somebody, it could be, for Moses, you know how many years he was, you know, going through all of that. For this Joseph we are talking about, it was 13 years. 17 years when he was sold into slavery. 30 years before he stood before Pharaoh. But he had a permanent address all through. The Lord was with him. That's Christianity. Christianity is a people who are always with the Lord, and the Lord always, always with them. The fulfillment, the manifestation of the word is dependent on him. In that place, there is no stress. The Hebrews will say there is no mbakaru. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's a place of peace. You're standing on the rock. That was says it's a solid place. So your heart is not shaking. That's why the psalmist says, I say, why are you fretting because you see the prosperity of the wicked? What's disturbing you? They're sending you marriage invitations. And because you know you, you're, you've been keeping yourself chaste, you've been respecting yourself. You know, they're now laughing at you at the back and saying, look at her. And you want to disturb yourself. You're standing on the rock. You're in a place by him. He knows where you are. He's never, he doesn't forget. Praise the Lord. The one that you are by his side can see the Bible says he dwells, he sits upon the circles of the earth and what the inhabitants of the earth, grasshoppers, and he provides for grasshoppers. Is it the one by his side that he won't know? God has never forgotten his children. Time may pass, so in fact, part of what I need to tell somebody here, my time is so gone, is that time may pass, but let time to you not be a duration, let it be an until. You know, we know scripture. But we don't swallow it. The Bible tells us of heroes of faith in the same chapter 11. Where some possessed, some conquered kingdoms. It says some, they saw it all. They received it by faith. But they never did what? Handled it. Why? The moment their breath ceased here. What do you think happened? They entered into glory. Child of God. The battle. The effort you and I need to put in is to be in that place. God said to him, here is a place. It's by me. It's the place of proximity. It's the place of deep relationship. It's the place where the song, you know, when we're singing this song, at the time I couldn't sing, I was praying. I said, Lord, let this song be true to me. You're all I want is not an empty statement. It means I can make five million if I do something. But I also know that if I do that something, the Spirit of God will be grieved. What do I do? If it's all I want, then I will lose five million and continue my what? Fellowship. Heavenly race. I know go tired. Heavenly race. That, that's, what, that's what Christianity is about. And it's only possible if you have a purpose mentality. How can a man, Joseph, Let's look at our Bibles. Genesis 39 verse 2, Genesis 39 verse 3, Genesis 39 21, and Genesis 39 23. All of them were telling us the same thing. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. But you see, 
in the eyes and interpretation of our time, he didn't have breakthrough. There was no breakthrough. The year is coming to an end. You know, I could have come here and preached to you a sermon of, how many days is it to, for those who calculate to the end of the year? 40 days, or is it up to 40? 40 days to your miracle. Now, the truth is this. It might not even be up to 40 seconds to your miracle. Because the word that is coming to you is a word of blessing. Is a word of deliverance. Is a word of lifting. In the name of Jesus. Let me show you something in scripture that you need to know. James chapter 1 verse 17. Please put it on the screen for me. The Bible is so clear. It says every good gift. Let me ask every good gift. Nobody can bless you like God. Every good gift. If it is good. The other one says, and every what? Perfect gift. If it is perfect for you and I, where does it come from? The father of light, with whom there is no what? Variation or shadow of turning. Part of what, you know, dropped in my spirit as I was preparing to come here today is that, you know, there's this also thinking that, you see, we study to snatch something from God. We, we, we are working as Christians. How do I get this thing from God? Or the other way is we sneak in quietly and we can use the the story of the woman with the issue of blood and say he snuck in behind Jesus and took her blessing. That's for encounter. That's for crusades. That's why you have crusades. Those who came to even to drop bomb in the crusade, God saves them. God heals them. That's encounter. For you now, he said for you that are listening to me, you know where you are? He said... You have not chosen me, but I've what? I've chosen you, and I've what? As I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself as well. And I have what? Ordained you to do what? To go and bear fruit. That your what? Fruit may remain. And then whatever you ask, I see how it goes. He said, I chose you. You're working for me now. You're working for me. The days I used to work, when I resume at a place to work, the first thing I ask is, what am I to do, isn't it? It's service. Then at the end of the month, automatically, their personnel will credit my account. Nobody resumes in an office and goes to personnel department and say, pay me. Except you're an artisan. Artisans are paid in advance. But service, you go and serve. You bring your service and you bring it with joy. Knowing that someday... 25 days later or 30 days later, that something is going to come out of it. This morning, God has come to say to you, I love you. Praise the Lord. I chose you. Where you are, I've sent you. We said many weeks ago, God sent you to Nigeria. Now, it doesn't matter. God can still send you to Alberta or to uh, Calgary or, you know, God can still send you to any place where you're going. But right now, where has he sent you to? You're here. You're here. You're here. And that office you're occupying, he sent you there. He knows exactly where you are. God knows. And the anointing and the power that we need in this time, you know where it's going to come to place? You see, if we come here, you know, I, I thank God that some of these things have happened. We used to have services. Those days we used to do vigils, you know. And, and we'll be laying hands and people will be falling. People will be manifesting. That will entertain us. But to change my country... It's not here we will lay hands. We, if need be, we will. But it won't be order of service. This is the day that people manifest. And some people, once they hear shouting, that service is powerful. People at the back will be, you know, tiptoeing. Something is happening in front. But the power, it says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It says you. It didn't say pastor, go. It says you go. In that place of work, when you sit down there, place a demand on the anointing. Place a demand. Understand, Joseph said, God sent me here to preserve a posterity. You are sent. You know, Nigeria would have, the story of Nigeria would have been less painful if we didn't have this number of Christians. It will make sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will make sense. Because it will be that we don't have enough light. But we have all the light. Well, we have all the Christians. I don't know about the light. We have Christians everywhere. And they're sharing testimonies. And there are stickers on their cars. Very big, big cars. Tall cars. Wide cars. And everywhere. But now, the Bible says, there are many who are saying, who will show us what? Any good. Multitude in the valley of decision. Where are they? Where are they? Where are sons of light? 
Where are the people that, that will help us? Families are there. Some of you are coming from families and your light is half current, Nepa. But today, you're going to rise in the power of the Lord. Are you hearing me? You're going to rise in the authority of the Lord. Do you know why? We started by saying God is powerful. Let me tell you, God can walk works that ears will hear and tingle. Eyes will see and they'll marvel. And that work is not for somebody that is named Eutychus or, you know, some of those Bible names. What's your name, sir? What's your name? Sorry? Philip. What's your name, man? What's your name? Gladys. It is for Philip and Gladys. That's who, that power is not reserved for somebody else. God wants to do something. Praise the Lord. God wants to do something. And for those that have already laid hold of his promise, there are some people that are here and they came to church and you see, they've had relationship with God. They've had this journey with God for a while. The word for you is until. Because it's going to come to pass that you will look back. I was telling somebody the other day about my healing. The way God is healing me. How many of us have been healed and forgot the sickness? That's what until when the healing comes and then you struggle, it's as though your memory, you know, never had the experience of that infirmity. That's what God is going to do with finances, with marital problems, with a lot of issues because it's an until principle. Until his word came to pass, everything about his pain was forgotten. He said the king coming out of prison was a royal procedure. He says the king came and opened the door. Let's rise on our feet. God is here. And he's here to meet with you. He's here to partner with you. Ever since creation, God has said, let man have dominion. He will not force us, but he's looking for those who will say, yes, Lord. I'm not going to do the regular altar call. But I'm going to pray for those who are saying, Lord, I want to take this thing higher. I don't want to be a survivalist. I want to be a purpose-driven Christian. I want to be one that will know that I'm sent. God sent me. God sent me. I was arguing with a very close and dear friend some years ago about some things happening in Nigeria. And I told him, I said, my dear brother, we are very different here. You came here because you got a job at presidency. God sent me here without a job. Our offices are not the same. Is somebody hearing me? Now, I believe he also was sent. But when you know you're sent, your interest, you know, is narrowed down. You are only looking for one thing. That he be glorified. Sent to that family to be light. It doesn't matter what it costs me. Sent to that environment that I'll be a, a change agent. It doesn't matter what I need to lose. Are there men here who are asking, Lord, anoint me? You know the word apostle is actually the sent one. I think the beauty of it is that that one knows he was sent. Because many are sent, but they don't know they are sent. The beauty of it is that the apostle is the one who knows that he was sent with a commission. That's why the apostle Paul says, don't we have right to be about wives? and to ask for things but he knew his commission he knew he had to present the gospel without charge he knew that he had to do this thing in a way that no man can get sorry your, your assignment will determine how lean your life will be if you are sent to be an entertainer you might have some luxury but there are some things that your assignment may not permit you until the time that it pleases the Lord to bring you to a place you see, Joseph never went to prison again. I hope you know that. If Potiphar's wife came to see Joseph, she would stay very far. Even Potiphar himself. Because God, when he changes things, Onishayan, when he turns things around, they don't look like they were before. I need you to lift up your voice and say, Lord, anoint me afresh for this commission you have given me. Anoint me. I need you to remind yourself, I'm not an ordinary Christian. You may have come to church sick, 
healing will come to you. But that's not what you came to Jesus for. You may have come to church in need. The Lord will provide for you. But that's not what you came. Jesus said to us, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these other things shall be added. God forbid that I will lose my first and find the others. Because without the first, the others have nowhere to stay. I need somebody to cry from their heart because it takes an anointing. I don't stand here and tell you it's easy. Part of what I learned recently is to ask for power. The help of God. Jesus said to them, don't go anywhere. I know you're excited. He said, don't go anywhere until you're endued with power. I need you to pray. Lord, empower me for this revelation, for this assignment, for this calling. Empower me. What that empowerment includes is he will supply your needs. He will see to it that you are not tempted beyond what you can bear. He will give you favor before the eunuch of the king. He will give you favor. He will give you uncommon wisdom. He will make sure that you are not shaking beyond your ability. Lord! Some of us are even just sent to our children. Some of us here, God has given us children that are destined for greatness. Your whole assignment is as a father to live a life that when they remember you, they will put themselves in check. But if you go and live carelessly and because of you, your children think this God thing is a joke, you're in trouble. Oh. So you may not for your own self want to do it. But for the sake of those children that God has put in your house, those children that God has destined for greatness, Yours is just to be that cover that they will see and they know that God is working. God is true. So that they call upon their lives they can fulfill. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God. I want you to talk to God. I want you to talk to God. I want you to cry to the Lord. Somebody here, you need to ask the Lord, I want that place. That's where I want to be. I don't know about you, but for me, that's where I want to be. A place by me. A place where I, 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 I'm shot from the noises outside. I don't see what is going on. I don't know who is doing what. I don't know who is marrying. I don't know who is buying. I don't know who is buying house. I don't know who is going. I don't know. I just know that my father, Jesus says, my father is with me. He has not left me. That's where I want to be. Where I'm, I'm never alone. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. The counting may not encourage me. The figures may not encourage me. The crowd may not encourage me. The things people say may not encourage me. But Lord, I want to be able to touch you. I want to be able to touch you. The songwriter sang, he says, Come and embrace your bride. He, he, I, I want to be in touch with you, Jesus. I, I, I want to feel you. I want to know you're by my side. Uh, our brother Josh was sharing the other day I get connected. And he said his problem when he's in difficulties, it's not the difficult. It's just to know that God is talking to him. That the GPS is working. Because as long as your GPS is working, no matter the road you find yourself in, it will bring you out. Lord, help me. Lord, we'll pray. Help us. That place. That place. That place. That place. That's where we want to be.